MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 1st, 2022. Today, more insight as experts pour over the Department of Justice's response to Donald's request for a special master, along with Donald's response to the DOJ filing. Alina Haba has testified in New York State that she personally helped search the Naralago documents pursuant to the May subpoena. The Republican DA in Mesa County, Colorado, asks the feds to also investigate election denier and voter data thief Tina Peters. According to an unnamed source, the Department of Justice will wait until after the midterms to make a charging decision in the documents case. And John Eastman appeared before the Fulton County District Attorney and asserted the Fifth Amendment and attorney-client privilege protections. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Pete Strzok. All right. Hello. Hey, Pete. Hey, nice to have you here with us today. Hey, Allison. It's a, it's a banner event the day after the uh, DOJ filing with all the pictures from the search of Mar-a-Lago. Picture yeah. single. <laughs> yeah. And at, around midnight when I recorded the final piece of the Daily Beans that came out yesterday, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I got to get this into the show. There's it's just been so much more processing and information. And so I was like, well, we got a call. We're going to talk about new classified markings and things like that. I'm like, who do I know? You know, actually, I know quite a few people, but, you know, you're my favorite, Pete. So <laughs> we have you on today, co-hosting the show. Also today, another one of my new favorite people. Have you seen the viral TikTok video starring Mrs. Frazzled, Mrs. F? She's the kindergarten teacher. I, I love her. And there's nothing better to drive home the point about the five-year-old mentality that Donald Trump walks around with than <laughs> watching her interact with a notional Donald Trump as if he were one of her kindergartens. I think she's a kindergarten student. She's certainly an elementary school teacher. I don't know if it's kindergarten, but uh, she's amazing. She is a kindergarten teacher, and she will be joining me today for a little oh, bit. Oh, no kidding. Between, yes, <laughs> she's so <laughs> awesome. And uh, yeah, with the, I know you've got some big feelings, you know. It's just I'm going so to have to stick around silent in the background just to just to listen. That, that's fantastic. She's, she's yeah. amazing. She is an, one of my favorite new people. National treasure she is, Mrs. Frazzled, and actual kindergarten teacher. And so after that, we, you and I will read some good news. Listeners submitted good news. If anyone has any good news out there you want to send in, you can send it to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I'm also happy to announce Dana Goldberg will be back Monday. So I'm very excited to see my friend. It's been, I think, two weeks now. And then she was gone for a week before that. So I've really missed her. And so she'll be back with us. I mean, you know, though, I really have to thank you, Pete, for filling in a couple of times while she's been gone. Yeah, of course. I was going to say, if these sorts of updates happen when she is on leave, just find a way to pay her to stay on leave for another couple of months. And we'll probably be in a much better spot at our, <laughs> in our country if this is the sort of uh, result that she gets. So. Right. Yeah. It used to be when I took vacations, people got indicted. That was true for Roger Stone. It was true for Manafort and Gates. And it was true for Tom Barrick. And so now, like when I take a vacation, it's really mostly to entice the Department of Justice to indict someone. I send them an email. I let them know I'm going to be out of town and it would be a good time. And I think I should be taking, you know what, in actually in, in November, it will be my 30 year high school reunion. And uh, so I will be on a little bit of a break for that. And that's a perfect time right after the midterm elections. 
for Department of Justice to to drop some stuff. And we'll talk about that 60 day slash 90 day unwritten policy and, and what it means and a little bit about Merrick Garland's new memo that says, oh, also like super duper hatch act right now. You can't, you know, non-career guys, you can't even go to fundraisers like you used to be able to. So he's really tightening the ship up. And I'm assuming that that's for a reason other than to just have a rad independent Department of Justice. But we'll figure it out. We have a lot to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. I've been dying to talk to you about this uh, Department of Justice filing. I had said multiple times, Pete, boy, if he had just kept his mouth shut, things would be so much easier for him because Merrick Garland has said every time you ask him a question at a press conference about whether or not he's investigating Donald Trump, he always says the same thing. We will follow the rule of law, law on the facts without fear or favor. And the DOJ only speaks through court filings and indictments. So uh, to open the door wide for the DOJ to file something was just really, really stupid. So I, I'm wondering, aside from from those considerations, what struck you the most when you first read through that 36 page filing? That it's a lot more damning and has a lot more information than the redacted search warrant affidavit that we got whenever, I mean, it seemed, seems like a month ago, but I think it was sometime last week. There is, in terms of the granularity of data of what was found, in terms of the reasons that they believed material was still there, uh, pointing to potential acts of obstruction, what the government believes to be obstruction. There's a lot more detail on this. I mean, it's kind of like, the you know, the, the Trump's and his attorneys were like that irritating little kid on the playground who like keeps poking. You're going to say, you're going to hit me, going to hit me, going to hit me. And, and DOJ finally had enough and just flat out, you know, swung and, and knocked him out. So I, I think this is a, you know, when you lead with your chin that Trump, particularly in the in the context of really bad advice from attorneys, I think, um, you know, you get what we saw last night. And so it was the biggest thing I think was obviously the, you know, the one photo which both because it conveys, you know, a, a photo is so much more powerful than some sort of descriptor in a document, but it, you know, really conveys the gravity of what was found at Mar-a-Lago, really highlights the fact, I mean, you know this because you've seen classified information, I've seen classified information, but for those who haven't, when you see a photo like this, it's impossible to not know that you've got classified. I mean, there are these big, obvious cover sheets that are in different colors with huge, you <laughs> I know. I saw the photo and I looked over both of my shoulders, you know, like I, I was like, oh, like I got like a, a, a knot in my gut and I was like, oh, you know, like what are those doing out of the, it, it like I have a visceral reaction just to just seeing those strewn about like that. Out of, it, it was, yeah, that was hardcore. Yeah. And, and I do have to give credit. I think it was Ken White on Twitter who said, you know, the biggest crime in that photo is the carpeting. And, and yeah. so, you know, <laughs> I said, made the same that, joke that, too. That was, yeah, yeah, which is, which is also true. But, you know, given the, given the sort of uh, Trump sort of style, that isn't surprising, but it is simultaneously uh, disgusting and kind of lowbrow, you know, kind of, you know, rich person, rich man, night wannabe who will never quite ever get in that room. But uh, anyway, no, that, that photo Again, you know, just served as a very easy representation, very accessible way for people when they look at it, whether they were have been in the government, which, you know, same sort of reaction when you see that it's like as a clear, former clearance holder, current, maybe I am, I don't know what my current clearance status is, but 
that gives anybody who's ever had a clearance shivers. But it also, again, for, for, for anybody who didn't, you look at that and you're like, come on, there's no way that anybody who's signing an, an attorney signing an attestation that they looked everywhere and they didn't see it, that there was nothing there. You can't miss it. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. And I think one of the things that stood out to me, a couple of things, wondering your thoughts on these two. On page nine, when I read that the uh, Department of Justice, the guy who came down, Jay Bratt, who's uh, you know head of uh, counterintelligence, espionage up there at the Department of Justice, and another person from the Department of Justice, were allowed to see the storage room, but they refused to allow them access to the boxes to look to make <laughs> sure that their attestation was correct. And I assume there was discussion of a warrant. Do you have a warrant, maybe? Which would be extra fun. That really grabbed my attention when I was reading through it. And then also, I mean, you know, standing in jurisdiction and stuff, which is, you know, things that I was at very first, like, this shouldn't even be in this court. If it's under the purview of the Presidential Records Act, it needs to be filed in the D.C. District Court per, per, per the Presidential Records Act. And then, of course, the picture. But another thing that stood out to me was that never during all the interactions that they had, all of the interactions in 2021 with the National Archives, and then when it when they handed over to the FBI, and all of their interactions and their letters back and forth and letters back and forth after that between the National Archives and him and his, his counsel. And then the June 3rd meeting, all of that interaction and, and Trump actually, you know, saying that he wanted more time before NARA handed it over to the FBI. All of that never, ever was it mentioned anything about executive privilege, anything about attorney client privilege or any mention that he had declassified these which you would think would stand to reason if if the head of espionage is at your house and trying to get some documents back that you you might hand him and say, well, I declassified these before I left the White House. Uh, here's the paperwork or whatever. He didn't mention it once. And now it's his defense. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it, it's absolutely there is no defense. And when you look at what he's whatever tweeting on truth, whatever that's called, truthing, oh you know, he said something today saying, you know, this is intended all over the floor to make me look sloppy. I, you know, I had these in boxes. It was the FBI who took them out. So he's he's saying he had them all packed away, that they were, you know, not in that they were in his possession. So he, you know, he's kind of a walking uh, confessional uh, of of odd statements that, you know, anything that seems to trigger his insecurity or any sort of implication that he is not smart, not neat, not charming, not whatever. He feels compelled to incriminate himself and in trying to defend that. Oh, no, I did. You know, I did appreciate all this. I, you know, I was super smart and understood all this. So I think the thing to your point about Jay Bratt going down there, there are a number of things. And it details, again, to the point that this wasn't in any of the unredacted material of the search warrant affidavit. We see it here that there's this conversation and some of the communication from the Department of Justice saying there is that he, they told him in, in earlier this year, since January 21st, of 2021, there is no room at Mar-a-Lago that is certified for the storage of classified information, period. And so that they've been on notice for that for God knows how long. And so it, it really is building the case that time and time and time again, Trump and his attorneys were told about the requirements for storage of classified information. We're told that they weren't authorized to have it. We're told they needed to return it. They never said you know, oh, this is, you know, what you said, that I've declassified it, so it doesn't matter, that it all points to a knowledge of the fact of what they were supposed to do and that they weren't doing it. And so I think, again, I'm not 
some people are very gung ho that yeah, this this absolutely means he's going to be charged. I, I, I am not that far down the path. I, you know, I'm now at the point where I think it's probably more likely than not that he will be. But you know, fifty one, fifty two percent is certainly less than. Yeah, I hear some folks that sound like they're you know hundred percent metaphysical certitude. I don't, I don't know that we know enough to say that yet. Well, no, because now we have to talk about his quote unquote lawyers who are actually his uh, document handlers or representatives or whatever, which are, you know, Christina Bob and uh, Evan Corcoran. Evan Corcoran wrote up that attestation, that certification letter that there was nothing left. And there's a little wiggle room in there saying, I went through the boxes that were moved from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. And then at the end, to my knowledge, you know, to the best of my knowledge, et cetera. I'm like, ah, that's a little that's a little weaselly. But, you know, I mean, the intent is the intent. But also, you know, they've had to bring on these other lawyers now, Mr. Jim Trusty and Chris Kyes. Oh, and interestingly, in the hearing today, you know, tomorrow as we record this, but, you know, today is Thursday about this. Apparently, Chris Kyes isn't going to be there. Uh, and I thought that that was hmm. uh, interesting, too. I'm wondering if he's changing his mind. <laughs> like, uh, but. The obstruction of justice piece of this whole thing to me has has kind of always been, I mean, the espionage is important. They're all important. All these statutes and, uh, are important and norms are important. But the obstruction is the one that I'm I'm kind of focused on, which is sort of where I was with the Mueller investigation. To be honest, I'm a, I'm a volume two person. If you put the sorting hat on me, I'm in I'm in oh, house volume boo. two. No volume one, <laughs> volume one all the way. <laughs> But these these lawyers are just actually fact witnesses and they really should withdraw as counsel and get themselves some lawyers because it's going to be their word against his. And, you know, whether or not who knew what and who told who to do what and who told who to sign what, that's all going to be coming from from them, from this team of elite parking garage lawyers or whatever. No, that's true. And, you know, the joke I heard again recently was, you know, MAGA is make attorneys get attorneys that the whole process Mm -hmm. of, you know, anybody who touches anywhere around Trump suddenly find themselves in personal legal peril. But you're right. I've read this statement and it clearly is very narrowly tailored to allow a lot of wiggle room. I think what part of what causes me pause when I think about the question of, well, is Trump going to get charged or not, is there is a lot of distance between what he knew and what he directed versus what his attorneys and agents, and by agents, I mean, you know, his valets, his, you know, the workers in and around Mar-a-Lago, what they did either specifically based on his direction or not. So sitting there and what I think most people don't understand, you know, like at anybody at that level, they're not like you and me, even if they're the cheap, trashy version of the not like you and me, um, like Donald Trump is. I mean, there, there are innumerable assistants there are people who do the administrative paperwork. There are people who do the sort of all the, the catering, bringing food, getting laundry, cleaning up, all this stuff. So there's a attorneys. There are massive numbers of staff who are doing the day-to-day things that you and I might do at any given day. And, you know, listening to Michael Cohen and certainly, you know, everything I know about Trump is he is very much in the, you know, he grew up in sort of the, you know, the, the mob style of management where you know, don't write something you can say and don't say something that you can achieve with a nod. So if, yes, you know, there's this weird attestation, there's this interaction between the attorneys and the government where they said certain things had been done or not done or there wasn't anything else. But at the end of the day, the government's ability to prove, okay, did Trump know that? Or did Trump just say something to his attorneys like, yeah, just take care of those guys? Well, 
you and I might know, take care of those guys, what we think it might mean. But when you take that in front of the jury, you know, I think it's unlikely to say, you know, talk to them, but do not tell them about the secret documents that I'm keeping in the safe in my office, because those are the ones about Macron that I really, really want to keep because I pull them out late at night when I'm feeling lonely. That isn't that isn't Trump. He's not he's not going to say things like that. So the problem is, from a criminal perspective, if you want to build a case, you need very deliberate, concrete statements like that. You can build circumstantial evidence but that's much more complex and subject to reasonable doubt than if you had these direct instructions. And so, again, you know, with the caveat that none of us know what DOJ and the FBI knows right now, it's um, it's it, it's hard to say. But uh, you know, and his attorneys are just a source of you know constant amusement, not notwithstanding. The current two folks who I think are hopefully getting a huge uh, retainer in advance because I don't know that they'll ever mm. see bills paid. You know, the the Habas of the world, you know, the parking garage queen of law is just doing more harm than good, I think, when they go out and make public appearances at this point. Yeah. And circumstantial evidence like, for instance, and they brought this up specifically in the filing, the passports found along with some of the documents and these these classified confidential top secret et cetera documents intermingled with his personal effects you know because fingerprints aren't going to do it he could have fingerprint in my opinion he could he had every right to handle these documents while he was president and so you can't carbon date a fingerprint i don't think so <laughs> at least not to, to anything more than like 50 years worth so i don't know that you know, I guess, like you said, you're going to have to build up totality of the evidence. But if you get some sort of testimony out of out of the folks around him, it's just going to be he said, she said, basically. And so, yeah, I can see how there might be a little bit of of worry, especially with and nobody, nobody wants to believe that the same standards of law are applied to everyone. But in the case of an ex-president, I feel like it could be different. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, I think again that for you, know, if, I agree with the statement that if this happened to anybody else, DOJ would already be on their way to charging and or trying to get into a conversation about uh, a plea agreement. But he was the president, and and whether we, you know, a listener likes that or not, the presidency does convey a different level of both authority for what he can or can't do, as well as potential defenses that might be thrown up which are even different from what, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton faced. So there is, I think, some truth to the statement that, you know, a president, a former president is different. It doesn't mean it's over, that you can't overcome it. It doesn't mean that DOJ won't overcome whatever those concerns are. It just means that, you know, in my opinion, there is an appropriate reason that, you know, Merrick Garland and, and everybody else in, in DOJ and the FBI would be very uh, deliberate in the way they're building the case, in the way that they're assessing the evidence, because there are just all these different factors that attach when and only when you're talking about the president. And, you know, we just happened as a nation to have elected the man, you know, arguably, but he was he was the president. And so you know, we've got to we've got to work through that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I think everyone knows where I stand on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's unfortunate. But, you know, it's when you put the shoe on the other foot, you know, it's it's again, if we if we could say unprecedented one more time, I, you know, yeah. without vomiting. So I want to ask you about some classification 
codes here because I, I find this fascinating because I had a, a like certain clearance. My, my dad had a PSYOP, ESI clearance. You know, I, I, I work with a lot of people and I'm friends with a lot of people who had crazy cosmic secret clearances and stuff. And uh, I'm looking through the we know what was in the January boxes, FISA, SI, Signals Intelligence, HCS, Human Intelligence, Orcon, No Forn. But then there was the May subpoena and it had some brand new codes on it. And I, I did some research. I looked them up, the ones that I wasn't sure about. And so now we have a designation of HCS O and HCS P, which is operations or product. We have TK, which stands for Talent Keyhole. We have NATO, which stands for NATO. And <laughs> Gamma, which is a subset of a information security system that uses a code word. And so I was wondering if anything stood out and if there was anything missing, like cosmic or something that would indicate nuclear, if they would even list it, for example. So just your thoughts on some of these uh, TK and all that stuff. What do you think? So I think your my assessment is is very much what it sounds like yours is that that subpoena was keyed. I mean, there's a whole laundry list with only slight variations, um, you know, of all these different combinations. I mean, there are three levels, right? Confidential, secret, top secret, levels of classified information. And then all those other terms you were talking about in some way further restrict what that information is, usually the source, right? Whether it's from a satellite system, which is TK, which is talent keyhole, whether it is a what's called communications intelligence or comment, which is something like an intercepted cell phone call or an email, which broadly is the SI that you mentioned, which is special intelligence. But then gamma or G, which I don't know that it showed up, is a further restriction of that. G was in there. I saw it. It was a G. Okay. So G is gamma, which is a further, which is a further kind of level of I think of, it was SI of, of a G, smaller so group was... of right of SI. And then of course HCS or not of course, but HCS stands for Human Control System. There are two flavors of that, O and S. O tends to be more, O, in my experience, I want to be careful how I say this, gets into much more granular information that would potentially allow you to identify the human source and or what they're reporting on in a way that the P or product designation doesn't. But you know what that subpoena told me is, my belief is that that list of the subpoena was generated based on what the government previously recovered at NARA, those initial you know, 15 boxes of which 14 contain classified information, if I'm getting the numbers right. So when they're going in there looking for that, they're kind of throwing out all these various compartments that might exist there. But you know, at a very high level, all those compartments do is kind of point you with a little more specificity about what the nature of that classified information is, right? Whether it came from a human, somebody that the CIA or somebody else recruited on the ground somewhere, or if it's SI or G for gamma, it's maybe probably coming from an NSA source potentially that, again, is an intercept of somebody's text message or an intercept of somebody's cell phone call. And TK for talent keyhole typically is imagery. You know, think about what Trump tweeted out the uh, a, failed, ask. a failed Iranian missile test where he thought, gee, Nito, and he tweeted out this, you know, kind of smoldering pile of rubble on a, uh, a launch pad in the middle of Iran that, you know, sleuths online immediately, you know, within 30 minutes identified based on satellite tracks. Oh, it came from that satellite. The satellite must be an imagery satellite from the United States that has this sort of resolution at this sort of range. I mean, it's just 
wildly irresponsible because Donald Trump wants to do his little touchdown dance in the end zone and in rubber Ron's nose and the fact that their, their missile blew up on the pad. So all those little letters and um, compartments for a civilian, for an observer on the outside like us, kind of point you to the sort of information that was in that highly classified information. Again, my belief, my assessment is the things that they found at the initial narrow seizure. And then the last one, of course, two things. Um, one, what I didn't see, I don't think is, oh, there is. So SAP or SAP is for special access program. Those are typically, which is among the most bothersome for me in this list, because those aren't, there is a lot of classified information, the HCS, SITKG, you see a lot of, but SAP material is not at all that common as those other things. And typically those special access programs refer to broadly, and this is going to be probably not satisfying for your listeners. On the one hand, operational type activity of a certain type, or think more like specific technologies and weapons components of weapon systems that are, you know, if there's some really, really sophisticated, really classified way that a U.S. fighter aircraft is able to do something or a particular sensor. Right, so when like Donald talks about the hyperspeed, whatever. Right, if there's something in that that hypersonic missile technology that the U.S. has like a really advanced capability, that'll get dumped into a special access program. And that's really restricted, the details of that, far more than the rest of these HCS, SITKG stuff. And then the last thing you see there's at the, at the end, the like third from the last on that subpoena, there's something that says FRD which is formally restricted data. And that refers to nuclear weapons information. And a couple of points to that. One, even though it's, so there is RD or restricted data. And then in this case, FRD, formerly restricted data, it's still classified. But another reason that's important is the restricted data or formally restricted data, RD or FRD, isn't a classification per se. It's not something, it's established by the Atomic Energy Act it's a law. It is not something that the president designates, like classified information. So whereas the president does have broad authority to say, I'm declassifying this, a president doesn't have authority to say, this is no longer restricted data or formally restricted data. So it's a nuance as far as the law is concerned. I don't think, I I really don't think DOJ would try and go and hang their hat on like, oh, you didn't have authority to declassify this because it's not a classification. I don't see them bringing Atomic Energy Act charges. But at a high level, that means (laughs) within that data, I'm willing to bet that NARA had that got from Mar-a-Lago, there's information in there talking about nuclear weapons. And which again, why the hell does Trump need that? Why does he want that? Well, the man can't split the atom. I mean, what, if, what, it's what, NATO, what? if it's NATO technologies and stuff like that, I mean, you know, I, I remember one of the very early on Mueller, she wrote episodes. It was back in December of 2017 was about the Middle East Marshall Plan and Flynn and Bud McFarlane and KT McFarlane and everybody wanting to build reactors over in Saudi Arabia. Probably not so that they could have nuclear power, but so that they could have a centrifuge and develop uh, nuclear weapons. I mean, you know, everything is speculation at this point, but it just seems like everything he's always bragged about that was weird and came out of nowhere seems to match one of these classification knots in 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 uh, in this subpoena and in the boxes of January. The FISA, you know, I mean, come on. 
<laughs> they spied on my campaign. They spied on Carter Page. It's just it, it all sort of wraps up somehow. So now I just need to ask, what is the aliens classification if you're talking about alien stuff? Yeah, I, I, I cannot tell you other than to say that I had occasion to. Sure you can. We're friends I, now. I, can, I know. Can yeah, me. we're friends. So let's just sh- share it with the world here. <laughs> I did on occasion have uh, interaction with unexplained phenomena as an FBI agent. So I'll just leave it at that. I'll, I'll drop that tease out there and get all your UFO conspiracy theorists all spun up. Uh, I don't know about conspiracy theories. My dad um, worked at Cunia when one of the Titan nuclear missiles went missing. <laughs> not, so, not, a, not a fun day, probably. <laughs> oh, but the, but the information that came out about what happened to it was always very, very interesting. We'll just put, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But I never knew what the classification was, other than he had a psyop ESI clearance. Uh, but that was for probably the nuclear tabletop games that he was, he was running. My mom had one too. She's convinced it's because she worked in the Navy Ship Parts Library. I explained to her that it's because you're married to to dad. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, no, the the ship parts are very. Very top tier. I'm like, Mom, I was the ship parts librarian for nuclear <laughs> vessels, and I only had a secret clearance, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. But, you know, I, you know, I didn't argue. I'm like, okay, Mom, yep, yep, very important clearance. And she asks me every time there's something in the news about, about top secret documents. All right, moving on to the next topic here. By the way, we were waiting for Donald's response. It's, it's due about a half an hour from now. I haven't seen it. I, I, I kind of was imagining it would just be like whatever um we'll see you tomorrow you know i i have no idea what it'll be he only had a very short time to prepare an answer his lawyers aren't the best at doing that so but we'll we'll report on it as soon as we see it he does his finest work when he's on his feet and you know yeah i i, I, I have no my, my my i am disappointed that the you know it seems like the habas and the original cast and characters are not the ones working on this any longer. I feel like we let her off far too easily in the show, but be that as it may, we can, we can. Well, I was just about to talk about uh, Alina Haba, but before. Oh, good. Well, no, then no, we haven't. Please. Allison, I'm <laughs> before, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> before I did that, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, people seem very upset that apparently some two sources, this reporting I don't know how I feel about it, but a couple of sources have told Bloomberg that the Department of Justice, if they choose to indict Donald Trump, they aren't going to do it until after the midterms. That has angered a lot of people because they say, well, Donald's not even a candidate. He's not running in the midterms. But the memo, the Department of Justice policy is isn't really solely focused on just candidates running for office. I mean, if it impacts an election, if it impacts a party, if it impacts, and, and, you know, I'm sure that the pendulum has swung to conservative feelings ever since Comey did what he did about, you know, keeping a low profile in the 90 slash 60 days prior to an election. I personally think that this filing pierced that veil, but it's not yet 60 days out from the election. So, I mean, I kind of I wish that they would just indict him, but I kind of don't have a dog in this race either way. There's so much more to do in this investigation. That's going to push us into that 60 day window anyhow. Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's any way, given the things that they still have, that that given any timetable, 
even looking from the outside, that they'd be ready to go and charge anytime soon, certainly before the election. I think, you know, the damage assessment is going on right now, the sort of equity review by the intelligence community to look at all this classified material, tell us, DOJ, whether or not it's appropriately classified. You know, in other words, it, yes, it says top secret, and it really is top secret right now. It says secret, no foreign. It really is secret, no foreign. Whatever the case may be, that one, the first step for just this one element of the crime is you've got to sit there and establish that the classified information that he had is in fact appropriately classified and that some expert at trial, his defense attorney is going to try and poke holes saying, well, this isn't really classified. The government needs their ducks in a row to be able to say, oh, yes, it is, and wheel out all the experts who are going to be able to say it. And then you also need sort of an agency determination. Um, Brandon Van Grack had a great analogy. It's like you're looking for Goldilocks documents, right? Something There are things in there that are probably so classified that the government says, you know what, the risk of, because at trial, you've got to share that with the jury. You've got to have the back and forth of that document being challenged by the defense as to its authenticity and the true damage. There are things that are so classified, the government might say, this is so sensitive, we're not willing to give that up at trial. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's stuff that at the confidential level that, yes, it says it's classified, but it's really anybody's guess as to whether or not that's really going to cause damage. So you're looking for this, you know, not too hot, not too cold secret document or something right in the middle that does cause damage, but that the government says, you know what, if this goes out, if this is released, we can live with this in the context of prosecuting them. So all that has to go on. And that's what this unit at Department of Justice does for a living is they find those Goldilocks documents in trial. So though I have to do a devil's advocate, though, for the people who say, you know what, reality winner didn't get to wait. They arrested her while they did this investigation and held her, remanded her. Again, the same would happen with you and me. And I know that the president has different considerations, but a lot of people are just so sick and tired of seeing him walk on skate on stuff. And they're wondering, why don't they just pick him up now and let him sit in jail and think about it while they wrap this up? Because they got to get it right. Because 40 percent of the population are going to be outraged, in part because Lindsey Graham and others are stoking folks to take up violence in the streets if he's ever arrested, because if they do ever charge him and bring him to trial, and I hope increasingly think they will, it's got to be something that is beyond, you know, for the average observer, looks to be serious, looks to be credible. And if they don't have their ducks in a row, the what it might throw this country into, and I, I get people, I say, well, then F it, let the country go there, because there's 30, 40% of the population that maybe aren't thinking about this the right way. But it really does. It, it takes time. And then the other thing is not setting aside just Trump and the classified documents. There are all these all these other potential people, right? Like, did attorneys lie knowingly on that attestation? Were people acting as part of, you know, at Trump's behest, knowing that they shouldn't be moving classified documents around? Are the documents, did anybody take it up to Bedminster or it's not Trump Tower anymore, whatever it's called in Manhattan? There are all these, just when you sit back and look at the investigative process, not just for Trump, there are all these other questions. You know, who had access to that room? Who was going in there? If there are weird fingerprints that nobody's seen before in the documents, who do those belong to? Is it some groundskeeper who happens to be a Cuban agent that the FBI needs to identify before they make that known because they want to try and arrest him too and see if he was passing or got any access to that information and was giving it to the Cubans? You know, did did a journalist that are, you know, I'm sure we can all identify somebody, you know, I don't need to name anybody, but uh, there's the fingerprints of a, you know, quote unquote journalist all over these documents who had access, who might be subject to prosecution. So there are all these questions that investigators right now are in the middle of it. Again, they, they just got 
you know, what, what are we at now? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they just got some of these documents. So all this stuff takes time. And so by the time you get a sort of broad picture to be able to make a decision about whether or not you want to charge Trump, and some of it might be, hey, you know, Bob or who, whichever attorney, we've got them dead to rights. And so we're going to go in and say, hey, we can charge you right now with obstruction. We believe you lied to us here. You And this is all allegedly, hypothetically, right? I'm not saying they did or didn't do this. We can charge you or you can plead to a much lower crime and you can testify about Trump. Yeah. And then that suddenly makes your case against Trump so much stronger. Point being, all that takes time. And we're beginning of September tomorrow. It's it's not going to happen for the election midterms. No. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I want to say that it's not necessarily like a point of clarity here. I don't think personally me, I don't think DOJ needs to wait until after the election <laughs> to take overt investigative steps against Donald, whether it's indictment or something else. But the DOJ, according to sources, says that they do. And this is their longstanding policy. And I can disagree with that policy, with also out actually without thinking that Merrick Garland is protecting Donald Trump. I mean, it doesn't have to be <laughs> this extreme one end or the other. Now, I promised that I was going to talk a little bit about Alina Haba. She told New York State Court that on May 5th, she conducted a search of Trump's private residence and an office and office at Mar-a-Lago. And she was so diligent, in quotes, it included all desks, all drawers, nightstands, dressers, closets, etc. She was looking for records in response to a subpoena issued by New York Attorney General Letitia James. So now she seems to have been implicated in uh, but, uh, and, and it's a far cry from from she's implicated in this to, you know, what I guess we have to figure out. She has to be questioned in this particular case, because obviously, when we look at that photo that was released with the, the DOJ filing, it's whoop, whoop, clear, big red letters, you know. But were those documents in the spaces that she searched at the time? Could she have <laughs> conceivably missed them because she wasn't looking for those and thought they were normal and didn't pay attention? I'm not sure. But she is now a witness in this case, too, because of just simply because of that. Yeah. And I think what she's the, my immediate thought is she is based on her statements. And she said earlier, I guess, today uh, somewhere that DOJ and FBI are looking into, quote unquote, mundane crimes like espionage. Now, I, I, I think she meant to find the word obscure and the synapses didn't quite fire in the right way to get her to that word. But I, you know, my assumption is at this point, you know, she may That's be very, reaching, very kind of you. Yeah, she may be reaching for the the Eric and Don Jr. defense that I'm like too dumb to break the law. I just, you know, I saw these mm-hmm. classified documents with all these cover sheets and bright, again, huge two inch font saying top secret and nothing triggered in my mind that, uh, you know, he shouldn't have these there as I was doing. And again, her, her whole presentation on these all these shows does nothing if, if not scream diligent competence. I mean, that is you know, that is the sort of professionalism that she conveys. And I can I can completely understand Trump. My theory. Sorry, I'm being like horribly catty. My theory is this is all a campaign and an audition for Fox News to be a younger, more sober replacement for Judge Janine. That is, I, I think mm. that is her, you know, if you peer behind the curtain, that's the entire goal here. But again, that's... The, so instead I, of Judge Box of Wine, it'll be Judge Yerba Mate. <laughs> I like wh- it. Whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, all in jest, of course. I don't I don't want to get any of us, uh, you know, crazy uh, frivolous lawsuits slapped on us for, you know, defamation that I would actually 
uh, be suggesting anything other than a parody. No, this is a comedy show. This is a comedy yeah, show. Good. Yes, it's a, com- a, a comedy opinion show, right? So, so there. So, no, I, I, I think it is. No reasonable person could take what we say as <laughs> <Right>. fact. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The, that's fine. The Sydney Powell defense, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, we just got a couple minutes here about John Eastman. Okay, he testified in. Well, testified is a strong word. He appeared before the grand jury in Fulton County, the special purpose grand jury, the same one that's allowing the governor Kemp to wait to testify until after the election, which I think is also bullshit. But he went in, pled the fifth, invoked attorney client privilege, compared himself to John Adams, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Thurgood Marshall, and then left. Because <laughs> why? There's there is their fucking big pumpkin halloween pumpkin full of names where he picks three and that's where yeah. great sorry yeah pick a lawyer out of the hat <laughs> <laughs> and that's who we happened to get but he's saying you know they had uh you know uh novel political opinions at one point uh so why can't i have novel political opinions like a coup uh at at some point even though i acknowledged multiple times that it was illegal yeah, you know who had novel political opinions Paul Pot had novel political opinions, yes. all right? I'm sure. Yeah, great. That's the... <laughs> Holiday in Cambodia. So <laughs> win. I don't even have my dead Kennedy shirt on today. Uh, oh, well. Fix that next time, please. We'll do. Yeah, yeah. I'll do. Uh, thank you. And then something else interesting. Mesa County District Attorney, who's a Republican, Rubenstein, or Rubenstein, I'm not sure, has completed his Tina Peters investigation. Tina Peters was the lady who kind of turned a Jim Jordan blind eye while some people stole some passwords for voter data. And then they went up on the big screen at the Pillow Man's Symposium, the Pillow Man's Cyber Symposium. Different. Those are two different textiles altogether. But he's there. And of course, this guy's up there going through the voter data. He gets a call from his lawyer. He's like, I got to hang up now. I can't be on this show anymore. And, like <laughs> runs away. But to that was Tina Peters. She's been charged that that investigation is complete. And now he has actually, I guess, I don't know if he's made a official referral, but he has said he has contacted the the Department of Justice Attorney General's office. That's Merrick Garland, not like, you know, the Attorney General of Mesa County and said, you should here's the information. You should also do a parallel federal investigation into Tina Peters. And so that's the last we've heard about it. I'm not sure where they're going to go with it, but that's what's happening in Mesa County, Colorado. And there's others that have done the same to voting machines in Sidney Powell's camp in multiple other states that might be part of already an ongoing criminal, federal criminal investigation. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no question about it. I think it's a a harbinger of things to come. I mean, when you look at sort of the shenanigans that are going on with the upcoming midterm elections and the huge just slate after slate after slate of candidates who are outright election deniers, some of those folks are going to do things that are going to run afoul of federal election law. And I expect this is the sort of thing that we're going to see more and more of. I think it's the kind of thing that are going to cause people like you and me to like go dive into what is you know federal elections law. But I, I, I think this is the beginning of a trend rather than an isolated event. I, I'm glad they're doing it. You know, the, the fake electoral college slates were something that it appears were identified at first by the states. So there's certainly a role for state law enforcement authorities and prosecutors to identify things that look like federal crimes. And so, again, I I would stay tuned and I would expect to see more things like this. Yeah, same Z's. All right, we're going to take a little break. Uh, We've got the good news coming up. 
But next, after this very short break, I'm going to be talking with viral kindergarten teacher who explains things to Donald Trump about very basic kindergarten level ideas, big feelings and and whatnot. She's going viral. Everyone on TikTok, you see her on Twitter. Her name's Mrs. Frazzled. We'll be right back with her. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. The show is brought to you by one of my favorite things ever, sleep. And that's because of Helix Sleep. I used to have a bunch of sleep problems. I would toss and turn all night. I would wake up sore and groggy. I thought it was stress and anxiety. And that was part of it. But also, it turns out I was sleeping on a mattress designed for someone else. And that's when Helix Sleep came to the rescue. I took their online two-minute sleep quiz, and it matched me with the perfect mattress, the Helix Midnight, because I'm a side sleeper, and I like a medium-firm bed. And it's such an upgrade from my old mattress, I could never go back. It's the best night's sleep I've ever gotten. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup has 14 unique models including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. It was designed for children 3 to 12 years old and has been awarded Best Mattress Winner by Parents Magazine. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. To try out your new Helix mattress, you can see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. They'll even come and pick it up. It ships out to you for free. It's easy to put together. You don't even need tools. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. You may not have those. No, thank you. Friend, do you want me to hold your little hand while I can tell that you're having a really big feeling right now, okay? I get it. But we have spoken about not keeping secrets. Surprises are okay. Surprises are good things that have an end date, right? But we cannot keep secrets from the Department of Justice. Uh Uh-uh. Got it? Got it? Okay. So listen, people are not being mean to you. People are frustrated, okay? And I'm frustrated too. But tomorrow, we cannot go play golf because we cannot commit treason and then go play golf, okay? Mm -mm. We cannot play president either. Brent, I need you to have a safe body, okay? And that, if you didn't know already, is Mrs. Frazzled. And she is a kindergarten teacher who has lessons for Donald Trump and speaks to him as though he were in her kindergarten class. And she is here today to talk to us. Hello, Mrs. F. Hello. I am so excited to talk to you. Can you tell me what gave you this idea? Because it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. I first had the idea when I was teaching during the pandemic back in 2020. I actually started on TikTok in March of 2020 when all the schools shut down and it got me thinking, oh, I'm teaching kindergarten at home and I'm using my kindergarten voice a lot more around my husband. And I started thinking, well, what was what would it be like if a kindergarten teacher started talking to others as though they were kindergartners? And we would joke about it all the time. And then one day, Donald Trump happened to throw a tantrum about getting kicked off Twitter. And that was the first time that I was like, I think he could really use some kindergarten style lessons here in um, managing big feelings. So that's where it started. <laughs> Ketchup feelings, we call them at the White House. Yeah, yes. big feelings. 
And it's so perfect because you do just have a natural kindergarten kind of teacher voice already. But when you turn it up, it's like the most adorable thing. And it's like, when I watch the videos, I'm like, I want everyone to speak to me that way. Like, it's just so comforting and amazing. But I love that you had been joking around about your, you know, how you talk to kindergarten. You call it your kindergarten voice. Is that, what, is that how you refer to it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I, we always laugh about it amongst ourselves as teachers, especially in the early childhood space, because there just is such a cadence that we all adopt. It's very similar to if you've heard people refer to their customer service voice when they're working. You know, we do have that similar thing where we switch it on and off. And it can be pretty funny when it's applied to adults. Yeah, well, there isn't much difference between the way Trump acts and the way a kindergartner acts when they have big feelings, you know? (laughs) Yes, you're right about that. And sometimes I wonder if he had had a kindergarten teacher who really helped him manage his emotions, would we be seeing the kind of tantrums that we see now in the White House? No, No, probably not. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of important lessons that we learn in kindergarten that apply for your entire life. So I absolutely love these videos. Keep making them and tell everyone where they can find and follow you so they can watch some of these incredible videos. Thank you so much. I'm Mrs. Dot Frazzled on all platforms and you can find me on TikTok, Instagram or Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm glad you could spend a little bit with us and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Thank you so much for cleaning up the ketchup, my friend. That was really responsible and I appreciate that. Are you feeling calm and safe and ready to talk? Okay, great. How are you feeling now? Sad. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Frustrated, maybe? Me too. Do you understand why they took those items from you? No, not for no reason, friend. Those did not belong to you. You took them home and you were not supposed to, so they took them back. The FBI. Yeah. Um, We need to start taking some responsibility for our actions. Do you know what responsibility means? Um, Listen, everybody makes mistakes, okay? Even grown-ups make... You're a grown-up. Okay. Um, No, honey, we cannot go play golf right now. We need to stay inside. Okay. Hey everyone, it's AG from Muller She Wrote and The Daily Beans. It's Mariah from How We Win. It's Stephanie Miller from The Stephanie Miller Show. Steve Pearson from The How We Win Podcast. Hi, it's Brett Micellis from The Midas Touch Podcast, and we are joining forces to support The How We Win Fund. The midterms are coming, and the best way that we can fight back against the Republicans is to support Democrats in key battleground races. Our democracy is under attack but we don't agonize. We organize. Together we can protect and expand our democratic majority this November. Join the MSW Media Family of Podcasts and support the races that need us most by donating to Swing Left's National Impact Fund. It takes the guesswork out of where you'll have the most impact and 100% of the donations go directly to our most important races. So go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. Donate what you can, share this with your friends and family. And let's show the GOP that the grassroots persistence is here to stay. This This is How We Win. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes 
And if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, you want to play What the Mutt, where you share your rescue pup with me and I badly try to guess how many breeds are involved, send those photos in. Halloween photos I take all year, although Halloween is coming up again, which is rad because that's my favorite time of year. And, um, you know, send it into us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. And I've got Pete here with me. He's going to help me read some of these good news submissions. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, for some reason my entire good news thing disappeared. Oh, there it is. I brought it back up. Technology. Technology. I've mastered it. First up, from uh, Jenny from Oz, pronouns she and her. I love how when Dana and AG are together, the Daily Beans not only has a naturally higher ratio of swearing to news, but hang on, Jenny, I've got Pete struck with me today. (laughs) I did a swear one time that I'm aware of so far, (laughs) but we can, there's still time. But it's also that, yeah, you're on notice, Pete. (laughs) But it's also more often news with giggling. Giggling really helps. It puts the ludicrous and puffed up personalities that feature in the news into appropriate perspective. In honor of this great tradition, I have a small giggling positive offering. Instead of calling the former guy Fopotis, (laughs) as he is labeled in the legal filings, how about abbreviating it even further to Fopo? (laughs) (laughs) Fopo, I like it. I don't know. It sounds kind of hip, though. It sounds kind of like I, I would not grace him with anything. So even like, and my dog, my my dog is barking in the background. He's trained to hear like former POTUS, and he starts barking. So I'm. That's, oh well, that's very that's, good. That's that's, yes, that's that's one of the tricks you taught. Yes, um, absolutely. Trump bar classified information all are triggers. It's like you know he's worthless our, otherwise. Our, right? Tell us the name and and breed of your dog. He is a, his name is Max and he is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and he is, he is. So you are Charlotte. Fantastic, charming, but dumb as a box of rocks. If we're doing sex in the city characters, you're Charlotte. I, I, I could not tell you that one well, way just, or the well, other. I'm telling I, you. I have no idea. What, what just, I, just trust me. Go, trust all right. Me. Sure. I'll go, I'll go with that. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Do you, I mean, Park Avenue, Cavalier King Charles, definitely. Okay, more from Jenny. Caught my girl yawning for the pet tax. Oh, look. <laughs> it's a big puff of white fur with a black nose, a red tongue, and two tiny little teeth on the bottom. With a Yeah, it's very sweet. Somewhat. On a rock in a little beautiful field. As fearsome as a, a six and a half pound ball of fluff can be, I guess. Yes, and I'm going to take the next ball of fluff too because it's very short. From Janice. What the mutt? Oh, I get to guess. Uh. Fenway has a new brother. Fenway is a great name for a dog, by the way. His name is Bear. He's the one on the far right. Can you guess his breed? Oh, I wanted to guess Fenway because that one's easy. All right. So the one on the far right looks like a a Bernie, a Bernie's mountain dog with a little maybe lab and chow. What do you think? I'm terrible at breeds. It looks like it might have some lab maybe husky. I don't I don't know, but then the dark fur is is throwing me. I don't I don't know dog breeds well enough to even give a decent guess well going down here you got the husky part very good i got the chow and then there's nothing oh it's wow there's a there's a whole like this is like a 23 and me for dogs here oh yeah yeah i've never seen this this before for my for your uh 
for your rescue pup. You can get and it also, uh, you know, if you do the Embark one, it'll give you like uh, genetic markers and, and predisposition to genetic diseases and stuff. It's, it's really cool. Excellent. So we have Siberian Husky Chow Chow. So you got one. I got one. German Shepherd Dog, Cocker Spaniel, American Pit Bull huh. Terrier, Pibble, and American Eskimo Dog. But it's got the exact markings of a Bernese Water Dog. I don't, I don't get it, but beautiful dog. And I'm guessing that's a Samiad next to, next to him and a little poodle. I could be wrong, but all beautiful, little, beautiful pack you have there. Who do we have next, Pete? So this is Molly, she, her. Hi, ladies of the legume, which I don't, I'm going to go with it because I'm not sure what that uh, refers to. Thank you all beans, again. For, beans, legumes. I'm, I'm slow that way. Yeah. And, and by the way, Pete, people who listen to the show are called members of the leguminati. Just so you know. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> Thank you again for all you do. I can't tell you how much you helped me to get through a particularly challenging time. My mom has stage four breast cancer and I have to have a hysterectomy due to having the BRCA gene. Anywho, I wrote in to share particularly funny things kids say. Many years ago, a friend and I were driving in some heavy traffic with my friend's son, who was about seven. The car in front of us had its dome light on. The kiddo asked me why the driver had his light on. I answered, he's probably looking for something, to which kiddo responded, what, his dignity? The comic (laughs) timing was impeccable, and I've never laughed so hard (laughs) for pet tax. I've attached another photo of the beautiful Lucille Ethel Gertrude Marie. Lucille, who is a beautiful, dignified, should never be subjected to what Lucille Ethel Gertrude Marie is wearing a hot dog. It's like the it's like the meme with the guy in the hot dog outfit saying, who could have done this? Except it's a poor it's it's poor Lucille humoring (laughs) her owner. For this uh, amusing photo, and she has. I a don't little, know. I think Lucille seems into it. Where, Lucille has what, a his tiny dignity? little black, tiny little black. Cats always have dignity, even when they're dressed up in a cat or a hot dog costume. So she has the tiny little black tuft of fur on her lower jaw, um, right so underneath cute, her nose. This taxi. But that seven-year-old, what his dignity? What's he yeah, like? Yeah, that's that's yeah, like uh, a I only sh- can only guess what they were listening to. Where they develop such a such an acid sense of humor at such a tender young age. But that's that great. is a grown-up it's, thing to say. It was like fantastic. when when my three-year-old goddaughter looked at me after I said something like, "Hey, let's go do this first, and then we can go here." And she looked at me and tilted her head and went, "Honestly." And it, I was just like, where the hell did you get? Oh, probably me. Probably me. All right. Next up from Alice, pronouns she and her. I have a confession. I often entertain myself by devising punishments for Trump. <laughs> Most involve food and none requires waterboarding. OK, well, so then. All right. Good. Um, stellar wins cleared. My current favorite is imprisonment in a Silence of the Lambs type cage in a huge warehouse containing a cot, a table, a sink, and a toilet. Trump's diet is limited to food with actual nutritional value. Lots of salads and vegetables. He's he's not allowed any fast food, junk food, or dessert. The guards can have tacos, pizza, KFC, and chocolate cake. He can sit and smell it, but he can't have any. And he has to clean his own toilet. The rest of us have been dealing with this shit for years, but he has to deal with his own shit now. Yeah, well, on a high fi- on a high fiber diet. That's that's a great that's a great image. 
Uh, you are the most humane Trump keeper, I think, Alice, of, of all of us. So thank you for that. What, what do we have next? All right, great. This so, is, uh, so this I think is, this is our last one. Yeah, so. it's from mom. She, her. Good news and pet tax. My 12-year-old kiddo, Ellie, she, her, they, them, is holding me captive to write you this message. I'm a listener, oh. and she will catch little bits of the show. Mostly, I'll share cool and good news stories. What follows are Ellie's words. Good news, everyone. I just got a new fish, a female elephant-eared betta. Beta? Betta. Betta, right? Betta. Beta. 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 Thank you. Beta. I've decided to name it Allison Gills <laughs> after you, because you know, fish have gills. Yes, yeah, so I know. This is, a, well, this is a really smart, this is a really sharp 12-year-old. Yeah, so it's kind of pink and green, and I made a whole pink shelf for her. Can you please shout out my Aunt Cam? Their pronouns are they, them. They really like this podcast, so thanks. I hope you have a great day, evening, night, whatever, and a smiley face. Picture note, we have a better setup for the fish now. No more small cups. And by small cups, this looks like a the, the, the fish is almost filling two-thirds of the diameter of the cup that it's in with a couple of little, well, they got a couple of nibbles of food floating on top there. But uh, yeah, the Allison Gills right there. <laughs> What's the thing in the background? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> it's like current mood that <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's I, no i think it's like a fish but through the distortion of the water it's spread quite wide i feel like it's a <laughs> stuffed fish i can't tell i can't tell but the the beta is beautiful and that's a lovely name allison gills i am honored and shout out aunt cam thank you very much for listening pete this has been this has been a blast it always is yeah for sure so i just want to you know Make sure that everybody knows Dana will be back Monday. Not that anyone's not enjoying your company, Pete. I enjoy your company. I appreciate you coming on. Maybe I can talk you into coming in tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. But um, who who knows what else is going to come out <laughs> in the next couple well, of weeks. Oh, Trump's, Trump's response is going to be here come tomorrow. So yeah, you got that. And, yeah, I was going to say, I haven't, I haven't pulled Twitter to see if there's anything there. Wrong. All right. So Wrong. Yeah, Excuse me. Excuse me. Now we're doing it live. We're looking for updates live. You know who's got Jamie Foxx? Somebody posted on Twitter a Jamie Foxx imitation of Trump, and it's astoundingly good. Man of many talents, but uh, definitely far, far, far better than mine. It's so good. I like you close your eyes, and it's him. It really is. Um, It's pretty, pretty entertaining if you get a chance to Google that. Uh, The court filing in response to Trump's lawsuit, seeking a special master to review materials. Nope, that's just the stuff that came out I don't see it. And it's due now, right? It's due right now. Uh Uh-oh, you mean they might mess up another (laughs) court filing? No way. No, no. no. Oh, just in. One minute. One minute ago. Uh, It is 19 pages. Uh, and I have it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Do you mind sticking around for five more minutes? Yeah, no, so send I can... it. I don't, where, where are you? Uh... Here, I will uh, plop it in our Zoom chat, my friend, and we can react to it live. Are you ready? Oh my God. You're assuming that I can figure out Zoom chat. So let's see. I see. Oh, there it is. Chat. All right. Here we go. Look at you, technologically advanced man. Bam. In my old age. <laughs> you're just, you know, hunting spies and stuff. I just put it. <laughs> 
thing in the chat. Okay. Uh, Movens reply. President Donald Trump <laughs> through his undersigned counsel. This guy, it, it's great. Keep going. It's 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 I'm, I'm reading ahead because you're reading out loud and you're about to get into the Trumpy of the Trump. Keep going. Providing this court with the response to the movement's motion for oversight and additional relief. This Here we go. This week, after unprecedented, unnecessary and legally unsupported raid on the home of, of a president. And, uh, possibly and possibly a candidate, a candidate against the current, the chief, current executive. chief executive in 2024. The government represented by the Department of Justice, DOJ, in case you didn't know. And the United States Attorney's Office has filed an extraordinary document with this court suggesting the DOJ and the DOJ alone should be entrusted with the responsibility of evaluating its unjustified pursuit of criminalizing a former president's possession. Did you read the thing? Because they gave the classified documents to the ODNI, not the department. Uh, right. And, it, and and all this was approved and procedures approved by a federal magistrate judge. So it is not, it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the entire Article 3 side of the U.S. Constitution of our government approved uh the procedures to be used here. Uh, Now, the government twists the framework of responding to a motion for a special master into an all-encompassing challenge to any judicial consideration, present or future, of any aspect of its unprecedented behavior in this investigation. Footnote, movement does not at this time address every misleading or incomplete statement purported fact made by the government in response to pages 3 to 14. However, movement will just highlight that one specific event Oh, so there's hundreds, but we're just going to talk about the one. The June 3rd meeting has been significantly mischaracterized in the government's response. If the government provided the same untrue account in the affidavit in support of the search warrant, then they misled the magistrate judge. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude, this is uh, this is bonkers. Uh, its argument against oversight begins with a contention that somehow the movement lacks standing. Yeah. <laughs> to object to a search of his home. This... Uh, you aren't objecting to the search of your home. You were trying to get stuff back and stop the government from going through it. And you didn't ask for injunctive relief. This is all right. Already like the, who signed this? I'm going to the end. So it was Halligan, trustee and uh, Evan Corcoran. And one of the questions was whether or not anybody would identify to the court that, in fact, Evan Corcoran was at a minimum a fact witness to all these things, if not a potential uh, subject of the investigation for a wrong or certainly incorrect, if not false, um, attestation that, you know, they searched everywhere and there was nothing there. So nevertheless, he he, he continues and signs it. So conclusion, I'm just going to go to the conclusion here. Yesterday, the attorney general found an unrelated opportunity to announce that the DOJ hold ourselves to the highest ethical standards to avoid even the appearance of political influence as we carry out the department's mission. That's the memo I was telling you about that career appointees can no longer attend fundraisers. The basic factual components of the issue before the court implicate that notion head on. (laughs) A search warrant has been executed at the home of a president. It was conducted in the midst of a standard give and take. Standard? Standard, motherfucker? Standard? This has never happened before in the history of the presidency. It has been 18 months of give and take that has never once happened in our country's history. Standard. Give me the the standard. I'm sorry, I swore twice now. (laughs) Standard. I knew we would get more out of you. Uh, Just just give me a little Halligan Cochran genius here and we'll get me going. You ready? You ready for this? Uh, It was uh, was conducted in the midst of a standard give and take between former presidents and the National Archives regarding presidential library contents. That's all this was. Hmm. And with the movement literally allowing DOJ lawyers and FBI investigators to come to his home, 
and provide security <laughs> advice. <laughs> That's what? it. Wait, wait, so, what? Wait, wait, what? They're se saying... Security advice. Advi hey! <laughs> so the, the issuance of a subpoena and the invitation from Evan Corcoran to come and pick up the subpoenaed materials pursuant to a subpoena that was subpoenaed, they're calling that they came down to provide security advice. Soon after and for the first time in history, an attorney general took the podium to announce a willingness to unseal a warrant and property receipt because you demanded it, while eventually and reluctantly turning over a heavily redacted document that's more black than white. Even yesterday, the government's response gratuitously included a photograph of allegedly classified, allegedly classified materials pulled from a container and spread across the floor for dramatic effect. The government pretends these are not historically important moments, telling this court that not only does it object to a special master, that the movement should have no opportunity to challenge any aspect of this behavior and decision making. Rule 41 exists for a reason. Isn't that a criminal procedure? And the movement respectfully asked this court to ensure fairness and transparency, even if accompanied by sealing orders, to allow movement to legitimately and fulsomely investigate and pursue relief under this rule. Oh, the, so they want her to approve a special master under seal? Yeah, fair, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, just the, and it just runs out. A fair-minded DOJ and a truly embrace the highest ethical standards would and should agree. This is uh, not a legal document. This is not a serious legal document. No, this is this is a clown law, and, and, and B, you know, the cat the cat's out of the bag. I mean, this is this is they said in their filing, like, look, regardless of all this discussion about whether or not there should be a special master, we're done. We've gone through all this. There's th some things that have been set aside for potential attorney-client privilege. But when it comes to any sort of presidential privilege, there a that doesn't it's not a thing anymore. You're you know it, to the extent that these are presidential records, they belong with the archives, not with you. But two, we're done going through it. So yeah, well, right. they had multiple reasons. So first of all, you don't have executive privilege when the executive is looking to for something from the executive for the purpose of carrying out executive duties. But there doesn't need to be a special special masters are usually for when you raid a lawyer's house. Uh, and Donald Trump is not a lawyer. Um, we did find a couple of privileged things that we're happy to, if you want to have a special master, go through our privileged stuff that the privileged team already went through. But uh, a special master is there to go through stuff to decide what to give back to you. And none of this is his. So it's, it's there's no standing whatsoever. Right. Or, or to say, well, it is it should go to the archives, but not to you. Well, then the archives, the 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 DOJ just then goes to the archives like they did before, issues a subpoena to get it. I mean, there is no, it will end up with the government, even with the special master. It's just, again, a delay game. And so the question, my question to you, Allison, is, is there a chance in hell that this Trump-appointed judge, given the strength of DOJ's filing and the outcry over how extraordinarily bad it looks, is there any chance she goes ahead and appoints a special master lest she be, you know, blasted into the sun in the court of public opinion. There's a huge chance. And and also the question we have to ask ourselves is, is will she go along with the conditions the Department of Justice recommended for a special master, which is, look, you, you can't go through the classified stuff because it's already at the ODNI. So you can have a special master go through the other stuff, you know, that our privilege team, our taint team took out. It's a very small amount. It has to be done by September 30th. All things have to be resolved by September 30th. And if you do find it necessary to go through these classified documents, 
that the uh, the special master should already have a TSSCI clearance so as not to delay it any further. She could ignore all that. The fact that they're asking it to file under seal, the fact that she put in her minute order, hey, you need to tell me what my jurisdiction is here, whether it's anomalous or not, like hint, hint. And then they still didn't even get the hint and fucking say, oh, yeah, it's anomalous is its jurisdiction. I feel like... I feel like they're working together as much as they possibly can without actually meeting. Do you know what I mean? And so if there's a special master appointed by her, who's it going to be? Is she going to take any of the DOJ recommendations? Is she going to have it filed under seal as the Trump team has suggested here so that we don't get to know anything about it or who it is? Will the DOJ push back? If I were the Department of Justice, honestly, I would have moved for consolidation into Reinhardt's court or jurisdictional change up to D.C. pursuant to the Presidential Records Act. But I I think we'll hear that argument in, in court tomorrow. But, you know, to be fair, arguing the facts doesn't mean you concede jurisdiction. Subject matter jurisdiction can't be conceded that way. I don't I think from at least from from my understanding, talking to some lawyers. But this is just a political statement. It, it reminds me of with smacks of Concord management abuse of the courts and, uh, you know, some of the election lawsuits, abuse of the courts. And uh, I, I wouldn't I would also put in for some sanctions uh, personally, if I were the Department of Justice. But that might also look too, I don't know, too, too vindictive to yes, to to like now that I've knocked you out to the, uh, the mat, I'm going to come over and kick you. Yes. Why? <laughs> why? Why is everyone so mean? <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yesterday is hard. It's a hard word for me. Yesterday. All right. Well, you know, we'll go through this uh, separately with some with some more vigor and rigor. And uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll be texting you yeah. this evening about it and we'll be tweeting about it. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear all about it on television as well. Up the, leading up to this hearing, which is actually today as you're listening to this podcast. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Peter? No, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm paging up to see what, what nonsense lies within this filing. So we'll, oh, we'll see in the days ahead. Oh, they say that the privilege team is not sufficient. They say that the special master should be appointed. <laughs> they call them the, 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 while DOJ may have succeeded in taking a partial filter to their rummaged proceeds. Rummage oh, proceeds. I'm surprised it's they like, didn't call it booty. <laughs> <laughs> the loot. The big... <laughs> it's like a Mar-a-Lago, like the old, like the pirate ship, the, the little booze cruise with like all the like, woo! Yeah, to hop going out there to feed the stingrays. A bottle of tequila, writing legal briefs and, you know, firing Where a fake cannon. Dump oh. the tequila right in their mouth oh, and shake God. their head and blow a whistle. Yeah, it's... Yeah. That's what's happening in this brief. That is a perfect description of this. It is Papa's and beer. This brief is that's what that is. That's what it's Margaritaville (laughs) times two. It's a Jimmy Buffett concert and we're all invited, sadly. All right. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. It's great to talk to you, my friend. I know we went a little bit over time, but it's I just always have such a great time and you have such great insights. And and so I appreciate your time today, Pete. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Um, everybody else until tomorrow i'll be back maybe i can talk pete into it until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health and vote blue over q i've been ag and i have the idea that blue over q had me thinking and i'm pete <laughs> <laughs> them's the beans <laughs> pete the daily beans is written and executive produced by allison gill with additional research and reporting by dana goldberg and amy carrero Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane. 
with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.